0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, stands a real blade of grass.
1: Welcome back to the birthday edition of the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show, annual birthday edition. Yes, we both have birthdays every year, and it happens this week, every single year. So, happy almost birthday to my colleague Seth. Welcome to the show, everybody.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm almost old. I'm old. And I don't know what that makes you, Sean, because you're a whopping two days behind me, but uh, you're old too. (laughs) Happy birthday.
1: Thank you. We are we are definitely both old. We are definitely both getting older and more gray as they come. Uh, lucky for me, the blonde hair doesn't show it as much. But yeah, I'm hoping the, I'm
0: hoping for gray. I, I well, you're just for hoping gray. for.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, he's not only a president, but he's also a member. This is,
0: <laughs> wow, going retro to 80s commercials.
1: There you go, Seth. K- well, look, we're old. We're old. We just established it again. Seth Kamen, Sean Palmer, Seth and Sean Sports Radio, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, and all that jazz. We turned 43 this year, this week, this year, and this week. Uh, somebody yesterday said, "So, what are you gonna do for your 44th birthday?" I was like, "Let me get to 43 first." <laughs> <laughs> like, don't age me that. Don't age me yet. Like, seriously, we got another year before that. You only look that. forty-four.
0: Sean, you only look forty-four and act fifty-four. I wouldn't worry about it.
1: Look, I act like I'm six years old, and I'm happy about that. We all do. We all do. It is currently. 75 degrees with a high uh, – wait, it's definitely not 75. It's, it's warmer than that. It's 82 degrees in Atlanta right now, bright, sunny skies. The high was 87. I can't ask for a better thing than this weather right now. Very little humidity. Man, this this
0: – Am I going to have to hear the weather every single damn week?
1: No, because I won't be saying it in August. <laughs> I'm going to be dripping like. That's 30. right. It was 107. Dude, we're yep. 65, yep.
0: and it's not a class, and it's, it's beautiful out, so uh, we're
1: good. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I was at the I was at the Braves game last night. Thank you to my friend Eric who took me, and um, what a beautiful night. And overall, it's been great. Uh, the last the last week I spent <laughs> in uh, New York visiting Seth and my niece and nephew, and you know what? Not, not a better birthday present could I ask for than spending time with people that I love. So, oh, I know. Touch here we go. But, but, but here, here's the interesting thing, Seth. NFL draft that we did last week, predictions that we made last week. Who do you think won? Right. You. Who do you think won?
0: I think you. Be you. Surprised I think we you tied. We won. tied.
1: Jesus Sixty points apiece, which is not necessarily good. Sixty out of three hundred. No. <laughs> yeah, Whoops. we, we absolutely. You know, I filled out the, I, I did the spreadsheet and I, I, was, I put in the numbers, and then I, I, I used Excel. I'm not an Excel guy, but I used Excel, and I hit Auto Sum for me, and it came up sixty. And then I did you, and I hit Auto Sum, and it came up sixty. And I was like, I you appreciate got you. Sitting. I
0: appreciate you giving me the breakdown. Of how you were able to sum up Excel like you're a nine-year-old. Good job, man.
1: I I told you I was six. I don't even think that nine-year-olds oh. know, uh, Nine-year-olds still use Excel. But the uh, I think so. so so let's go through these. So obviously, the the surprise of the draft, right? If there was well, there were plenty, but oh, the, there were a the few. Real, yeah, the first real surprise of the NFL draft was the number four selection, right? Neither one of us had Clinton Farrell going number four. Like it, nowhere. no. It, I mean, I had Farrell going Clinton Farrell. I had him going 14. You had him going 21. So, yeah, we, we both scrapped that out. So, perfect selections here. Let's go through the perfect selections. Obviously, we both got the first three correct. Uh, You got Devin White at number five correct. You got – and then you didn't have another one until you had back-to-back perfect selections in Jacobs going to uh, Philadelphia and then Marquise Brown going to the Ravens. And then you – that was it. No, Jacobs went to the Raiders. Oh Raiders, excuse me. Jacobs to the Raiders and Brown to the to the Browns, literally. Oh, Brown to Brown to the Ravens. So you had Brown to the Ravens. One, two, three. You had six perfect picks. I had the first three, then I had uh-huh. Devin Bush, but I didn't think Devin Bush was going to the Steelers. I had him going to the to the Broncos at ten. Then I had Brian Burns at sixteen. Then I had Bradbury at eighteen. I also had Jacobs at 24. But, and we said this la- last week that the bottom half of the draft is going to be very hard to predict. Well, here's how hard we, we had it. From 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, The last nine picks, I got four points. Period. Four out of 45. Steph got eight out of forty-five. Not much better. But yeah, I, you, you beat you beat me on that. Congratulations on that one. But at the end of the day, we didn't we didn't do fairly, We didn't do very well. But there were, I don't think many people did. I mean, we can go down this list. Obviously, Farrell at four was the biggest was the biggest surprise, just because the Raiders had top notch talent such as Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, and anybody else that they wanted on the board, and they go for him. As far as the drops, look, Jawan Taylor going in the second round, I had him number eight. You had him number nine, and he didn't go until early second round. Um, So who do you think had the best draft? Because I don't think it was the Cardinals. I just think they were the first no. back. I Yeah. Who who had who filled their needs the best for you?
0: Well, who filled the needs the best is probably the Redskins. I mean, Haskins falls to him, them at fifteen. Now, I'll be honest: listening to Haskins over the last week has impressed me less and less. Um, but I'm assuming he was their number one. He was their num their number one uh, choice. Sorry about that. He was their number one choice coming out for quarterback. i assume Mur Murray is Murray went number one overall, but Murray is a fit for certain teams. I don't think the Redskins were that team. I think getting Montez sweat at the, uh, at 25 where it looks like the health, the health can, the health scare is really more of a scare and nothing else. Um, I think the Redskins did well. I, I think the Cardinals did okay. They needed to get wideouts. So they got three of them. Um, I think the Ravens getting – I think the Ravens did fine. I mean, there was no there was no draft where I looked and said, oh, my God, they killed it. There was nothing like that this year for me. But there were a lot of okay. – I think most teams did, well, did okay. And I, I just thought there were a couple a little bit better than others. But there was – Nothing outrageously good or outrageously horrendous on either side.
1: So I really saw two teams that I thought actually killed the draft. Uh, I, I do. I love what the Steelers did. I love them going up and getting Devin Bush. I think that was the pick of the draft. Because they saw a guy that they absolutely needed and a guy that's an absolute a position that they really needed to fill. He, look, they've been needing that guy since Ryan Shazier went down with the unfortunate injury. They were not going to be able to stay where they were at 20 and get a guy like that. It just wasn't going to happen. I mean, if you look down in the 20 range, now, granted, this is not, look, it, it could have gone six different ways to Sunday, But there were no linebackers picked in the 20 range. You had two first-round pick linebackers. You had Devin White and Devin Bush, and that was it. And after that, you weren't getting an inside linebacker, and I love the fact that they went for him. And then you go in the third round where they always do well. They always pick the middle receiver, and they got Deontay Thomas at a Toledo, another Mid American guy. Now, is he going to be as good as Antonio what? Brown? No. I mean, who is? What well,
0: I was going to say. But what exactly do you know about Deontay Thomas? I
1: I only know what I've read. I only know what I've read.
0: So, but I I think with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I I. Sorry,
1: continue. No, with Pittsburgh, I think you give him the benefit of the doubt for the mid for the mid round receivers. With Juju Schuster and Antonio Brown and being able to cultivate that type of receiver, they don't look for, they, they don't need the Vincent Jacksons. They don't go for the 6'2", six, 6'3", six, guys. That's not their game. The last guy that they had that, that was that tall was if Mike Wallace was 6'2", that would be a stretch. I don't remember a tall receiver. Anywhere in that Plactico. lineup ever. Black to go. We're talking 25 years ago? No.
0: But, no, I get your point. Um, I just have a little bit more trouble giving Pittsburgh that much love considering what they got for Antonio Brown, which I do think you have to account to a degree. You know, getting a three and a five for the best receiver in football is not exactly. Even if the three and five end up being good players, I don't know who the fifth who the fifth round pick was. It's, you
1: know, Look, it's, they they did a they did horrendous cap management. They did horrendous player management with both Le'Veon Bell and with Antonio Brown. I don't think there's any. I'm I'm looking straight at this draft the way this draft played out. And there are okay. very few teams in this draft that said, "I need I need this player. I need this position." And went and filled and and really needed it. Like, okay, so so the Redskins needed a quarterback, no doubt, okay? But do they have a starting quarterback that will fill the need next year? Haskins isn't going to be an a Pro Bowl player next year. I mean, on his best day, he won't be a Pro Bowl player next year. Devin Bush has the chance to be a Pro Bowl player in that system, and he will be on Sports Radio Fantasy League team. There is no doubt in my mind. <laughs> he is my he is my new man crush. He is you're my new you're middle you're linebacker.
0: You're
1: it, it will be you him know. and C.J. Mosley. Will be Manning. Will be Manning. Two of the three defensive spots on on we, our we team. We do know that
0: you're. Cr- we do know that all of your crushes, your crushes constitute people who can beat you up. So, yes, there's well, no questions. Of course. There
1: you go. Of course. Okay, so the other team that I think won the draft was actually the Colts. Because the Colts didn't need very much to begin with. And I, by trading down and trading down and trading down, they have done an incredible job of stockpiling picks and stockpiling people. And they selected 10 people in this draft. And they got, look, we had uh, the best name in in the draft, Rock Yaw Thin. They got a cornerback, which is what they really needed. And I think overall, they did an excellent job. And Ballard has once again proven that he knows what he's doing. I mean, Paris Campbell, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, I know you had said it. I had said it. They need – we we believe in Ty Hilton to a certain degree, but we don't believe that he can, he's the guy or will be the guy. Getting a guy like Paris, Paris – I almost said Paris Hilton. <laughs> Paris Campbell. Well, I combined T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. So getting a guy like Paris Campbell in the second round, who's a burner out of Ohio State and a 6'2 guy, you know what? These are filling needs. I, I, you can talk about all the glitz that the Cardinals had by getting Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray wasn't a need. He just wasn't. No. They had a quarterback. He wasn't a need. So I, I actually, I actually say that the Cardinals did poorly by filling needs. Now if Kyler Murray becomes the top quarterback in the NFL. Then. You know what, Ali Crow. It's, it wouldn't be the first time. Well, let's talk about your New York Football Giants, which have to be, at least in the fans' point of view, one of the more disappointing teams from coming out of the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've gotten over the fact that they took Daniel Jones at six. Um, I just don't understand the thought process. My. I, I would think, based on look, I'm not a scout. Based on what I have read, what I have seen, they probably could have could have gone this. He could have gone at 17, or they could have traded up from 17 to get him. Um, my prefer, my wholehearted preference would have been to trade for Josh Rosen. I'm assuming that pick number 37 probably would have done it, um, considering what they got for him. And then you would have had two. You would have taken two defensive players with six and seventeen, be it Ed Oliver, be it Joe, be it uh, Josh Allen, uh, you know, whoever it was. I mean, my question now with with the Giants is, well, yeah, okay, this is the, okay, this is the Pat Mahomes. Well, that's not really how this works. Uh, we don't have an All Pro quarterback coming off his best season in Alex Smith. We have a mediocre over-the-hill quarterback, as far as I can tell, for the last five years, Eli Manning, who, if we knew we wanted Jones at six, and please don't convince me that anyone was going to trade above him to get Jones. It wasn't going to happen. You were getting Jones at six if that's who you really wanted. Why are we paying Eli Manning $20 million this year? You know, Mahomes, you know, Kansas City, and New reed has got a pretty sophisticated system. It's a little different. It takes some time and you have a bona fide quarterback in Alex Smith. Okay, we're not doing the Kansas City math. Maybe he sits for a year or two. If we have hit the number six guy and he sits for two years, Gettleman should, should be fired without question. This is not Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers went number 24. So I hate these silly discussion points. To me, if you're picking a guy number, top 10, he damn well should be starting next year. Otherwise, I don't know why you're picking him at number two in that, in that level. You know, the Steve McNair, Chris Chandler days are long gone. Um, I wanted I would have preferred Oliver. I would pay with Allen. Um, look, I, I don't know. I, you know, as, 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 as the draft has subsided a little bit, I'm a little bit more calm in regards to Jones being their guy. I, I, I'm not a scout he played at Duke. There's only so much you can do with the talent that you have at Duke. But just because, you know, that Gettleman said that, you know, he fell in love with him at the senior bowl. Well, that's great. But Jones had three kids. they had played three series at the at the at the, at the, at the, at the, at the, at the senior bowl. If that is enough for you to, that, if that's enough for you to have full, bla- full blown man crush. I find that a little disturbing.
1: Well, from, um, Seth, but from I, what from what I do understand, most of the senior goal scouting is not within the game. It's in the practices before I, in which uh, – I'm just saying, that's where most of the scouting takes place. It's not – Understood.
0: It's, it's, understood. Um, I'm okay with the next two picks. I actually really kind of like their third and fourth round picks a lot. Um. You know, they needed to go defense-defense. There was no question about that. Um, the, the pass rusher from Old Dominion, I kind of like it, number three. I like Julian Lovett number, in the fourth round as a good cornerback. You know, I don't mind the trade-up to get – look, if if, if, uh, if DeAndre Baker was their number one corner, fine. You know, if uh, – I'm forgetting if it was Wilkins. I think it was Wilkins' 16. I would have, again – it'll be in a nice rotation. They need pass rush. So I'm not sure what we have there. I thought the draft overall was okay for the Giants. Um, From the third pick going forward down, I like it a lot more than I do the first two picks. I don't mind, as I said, I don't mind Wilkins. I just kind of wish they went more pass rush. Um, But the whole thing is, look, we all know this is going to be predicated on Jones. And I'm
1: not going to compare him to David Brown, would you say? I said 100%. This is is the Daniel Jones draft. The same way it will be the Kyler Murray draft, right? Right. And it will be the Clinton Farrell draft, too. I mean, for the Raiders. If Clinton Farrell is a 9-12 to sack guy for the next 10 years, then it's a success. If he's not, then it's a failure. So, there you go. Okay, so, so all right. So, who were your, supro- besides Daniel Jones and Clinton Farrell, who we both thought were way further down Who's than the list? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, mine was Rashawn Gary going that high to 12. Uh, I definitely did not have Gary anywhere. I mean, where did I have I don't Gary? think Gary I went, Gary went way...
0: I thought Gary went lower than that.
1: Are you um, sure he didn't go 21st? Well, if he went 21st, then I'd this up. So hold on a second. I'm yeah, doing this no, all driving. No, no. Be wrong. Darnell Savage went 21st to the Packers. Your, your guy out of Maryland. My boy. And then, and then Gary went 12 to the Packers. Yeah. Okay. Gary went 12. Okay.
0: So I, I definitely
1: did I Okay. I had Gary at twenty nine, so I was well off there. And I was also off for besides Farrell, who we were both off for. Um I was all. I mean, Juwan Taylor. We were both off. I mean second second round, Juwan Taylor. Well we was, didn't know we was, didn't know he so, had
0: medical issues.
1: So Right. So so, um, But I hit on Brian Burns, which I was happy about. I hit on Bradbury, I was happy about. Um, I didn't have Savage in my first round at all. I didn't have Howard, the, the offensive lineman. There was a huge run on offensive linemen. I mean, I believe that there were probably more offensive linemen in this draft than I've seen in a while. Hold on. One, two, three, four, four. Oh, only four? Nah, there's got to be more. One. <laughs> Sorry, I may have messed this up. Three, three. Yeah. Dill. Oh, offensive guard, four, five. Five offensive linemen in the first round. Five, added, five out of 30. Not a bad deal. Uh, I mean, the defensive line obviously uh, shook it up, and you had a ton of defensive ends a ton of front four guys. And um, yeah, pass rush is where it's at. And the Jets go for the inside guy instead of the outside guy with Quentin Williams. And I'm not altogether sold on this because this happened once before when they drafted Leonard Williams. And they had a whole lot of, of front line players and they said, okay, we're going to just rotate them around. But Look, he. According to most scouts, Quentin Williams was the best player in this draft. I don't number know how one, you go number wrong. Two, Leonard,
0: the, right, Leonard Williams has been a pretty good player for you guys.
1: Sure, but four I years mean, ago when he was four years ago when he was drafted, you had Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, and, Wilkerson. D- and Damon and Damon Harrison, who were so you had Williams. And Harrison in the middle in a in a four three, and you had Wilkerson on the outside, and I forget who was on the other outside. It doesn't matter, you get, but Williams plays Leonard Williams plays on the inside, so you had Richardson and Richardson and Damon Harrison on the inside, and all of a sudden you're drafting another inside guy, and they could not. Sheldon Richardson, if you recall, tried to play linebacker. And tried to drop into coverage, and that was just, wow. That, that was one of the worst experiments since Todd Hundley playing first base. That it was, it was awful. Or my Piazza playing first base, either one of them. But the fact is, that's what happens when you, dra- when you have too many people for one position, even if they're good talent. Quentin Williams is going into a, into a rotation. Again, a, now he's, he's going into a 4-3 where you have Steve McClendon. Oh, I'm sorry, he's going into a 3-4 with McClendon as the nose tackle and Leonard Williams as the inside guy. It's, he, it's just the wrong setup for another inside guy, and that's unfortunate. But Leonard Williams is a free agent after this year, and maybe this is a precedent for him to, to say goodbye. But it's just too much here. It, it looked like... The Josh Allen move was the better move for the position. Granted, you take the best available player. That's what Mike McGanahan has always done, but that also may cost him his job after this year. So, but you, you, you just never know. When you when you came out of this draft, set were you surprised by anything other than Farrell? Were you surprised by trades? Were you surprised by by the way that the draft went, or did you just say, okay, that's just another NFL draft down the drain? It
0: was more just another NFL draft down the drain. Um, You know, look, there's always drops, you know, Drew Locke dropping, dropping to the second round. You know, there's always little things, but there's nothing overwhelmingly, nothing overwhelming. It's just another draft.
1: Sure. And Josh Rosen gets traded to the Dolphins, where I think he is in the best position to succeed. you will have Ryan Fitzpatrick there to help him. It seems like Ryan Fitzpatrick is always there to help somebody else. (laughs) And, um, well, am I wrong? I mean, every place he goes, right? He was in Cincinnati, and he helped Andy Dalton. He was in New York, and he – I mean, every place he goes, he's just – he's warming the bench for uh, Jameis Winston, he was in Buffalo and he was warming the bench for somebody for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he's always just warming the bench for the next big thing. But he and mean, but he does play a he lot. Produces. He does
0: play a lot. Yeah, he does play a lot for for a backup. It's not like he's Jim Thorpe. Yep. I mean, <laughs> you know, look, I think you know my feelings on Rosen. I think Rosen yep. would have been great in New York. Yep. Um, I think it will be would have fine really in Miami. Liked yeah, except that Miami's trying to tank. So it's kind of a weird situation. They have very little talent. So, and if you're a top five, you know, if they if they do end up not doing very well because they have very little talent, well, then he may get traded again because they're going to try, tra- try and draft either Herbert or Tua. It's like a one-year right. experiment, but-, but it's a one-year experiment with, sh- with crappy players.
1: But it's not a one-year experiment. So let me ask you this, Seth: If you are, well, they have
0: him for three you are years.
1: An NFL, Right, and if you're an NFL team, you have him for three years. You don't have to pay the signing bonus. The signing bonus is gone. You get him for three years right. at six million dollars. So even if he's a backup quarterback, he's only earning five hundred thousand dollars more than Ryan Fitzpatrick is this year, at one point five million. That's a quality backup for $2 million. He's earning six. Yeah,
0: but let me rephrase. As Rosen, I would be pissed. Oh, yeah. Because because he's in a crappy situation. Because, you know, he'll probably end up on three teams in three years. And the first two teams, he probably had no chance to succeed.
1: But once the first round of the draft went through, there was no other place for him to... True?
0: I know. Well, I think the Cardinals butchered this. Yeah, the Cardinals absolutely butchered this. If they knew they were going Kyler Murray, this trade should have been made six weeks ago. Let's be honest here. They, They trade him for a back of the second round pick the guy who they traded up twice for is ridiculous.
1: Oh, they killed the value, yeah. I mean, value wise they gave up a, a yeah. I mean, no question about it. So so Josh Rosen's over there. So who's on the hot seat right now? I is Cliff Klingsbury's not on the hot seat. Who's on the hot no. seat? If you're looking at coaches, Coach who's you? on the hot seat given given what they got in this draft? Is Jay Gruden on the hot seat this year? Because I think he is. Oh,
0: God, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, that to me isn't, isn't even a question. I mean, think about it. Just about 20% of the coaches change every year. We had, what, eight coaches this past year that flipped through? Gruden will be on the hot seat. And some Jason Garrett, I got to imagine, is going to be on the hot seat because he's on the hot seat every year.
1: Um, right, you know, kind the draft of going doesn't make quick. the draft doesn't make Jason Garrett <clears throat> any more or less on the hot seat. In fact, it should make him less on the hot seat since they didn't get very much. With with Jay well, Green, wait a
0: minute, wait a minute. The draft, the draft, because if Haskins is probably not going to play this year, or he's going to play in a limited in a limited basis, how can you base? How can you have that as? How can you predicate him being fired or not, or him being on the hot seat? when their first pick was a guy he's not going to use.
1: Right, but they also traded in back into the first round to get Monte Sweat. So not only, okay, by Hossie, I mean, okay, so let's assume that, the, that he doesn't start, which I'm not sure Haskins doesn't start day one. I really don't. I mean, they have Case Keenum, agreed, but we know what Case Keenum is. And Jake Rudin is the quarterback savant that everybody says he is, which he hasn't proven in Washington at all. Who says who says how, that? Well, when he who was with, wait, wait, wait. when he was when he was with the Bengals, he got he credit Andy for Dolphin their offense.
0: Quarterback.
1: Well, he got yeah. credit for their offense.
0: Yeah, but they also, I mean, he did a nice job, but I don't think it's I don't think anyone's ever considered him a savant. Anymore. I mean he you know he made Dalton above average when you also when you have a j green it's a little bit easier to be above average um, or yeah, I mean he's never been I i don't know I' never found him to be a particularly inspiring pick in any direction but no, the other but that team needs to win this year for him to keep his job you know I think the only two coaches who are safe are Peterson and Shermer. Everyone else in, in that division, which is of course two other teams. Mm-hmm. We'll see.
1: And the funny thing is you I say Shermer is you think Shermer is safe.
0: Yeah, for this year, yeah, I do.
1: Because there's no expectations or because he's yes. because of There's Eli. no
0: expectations.
1: Okay. Oh, there's
0: no expectations.
1: All okay. right, fair enough. Okay, so what we haven't discussed a lot, and again, if you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846 We have not touched upon the NBA, the NBA playoffs at all. We have, and and we ha- we didn't talk a lot about them all year. The NBA. We talked about free agency. We talked about the Knicks here and the and and the Nets and the and who's gonna get who at the and the ping-pong balls on May 14th. By the way, that's two weeks away. But we haven't talked about the actual games. And so we have Golden State leading the Rockets one to nothing. They won 104-100 to uh, on Sunday. Uh, game 2 is tonight at 10.30 at night. I will not be staying up to watch a 10.30 basketball game. Um, as much as I actually want to stay up, I will not be. Um, Golden State held home court. One hundred four to one hundred. Are you picking Golden State to win this series?
0: Oh yeah, of course I am. Okay. I mean, first of all, Houston is hysterical. It's this this audit of the twenty of the twenty seventeen game seven. Oh my goodness! Why, Phil? You went over twenty seven from three point land. You can't make that up. Sean, you could shoot better than over 27 from three-point land, or worse, you could tie. I'd like
1: to. I'd like to say I may be able to shoot better than that. I'm not. I'm not really sure, but yes. It, it, for those that are not aware of what Seth is talking about, today a report came out. I'm going to get the report. Uh, where is it? Hold on. That the. Uh, that the Rockets... Hold on. I can't find the report. Seth, so you want to you briefly state what it was? Because I can't find the, the actual... Uh, they, audited, they, the judgment,
0: they audited Game 7 and found that so there was a call that should have been made.
1: So they went back they to found watch like and YB watched Baby. all of Game 7. Yeah. Oh my and, and tonight... And tonight, their least favorite referee is working. So, um, Scott Foster, the re- referee most reviled, according to ESPN, most reviled by the Houston Rockets, has been assigned to call game two. What What'd I say? Yeah. Uh, no, So. the, pro- fo- the Foster- problem I always, Foster-
0: I always Go ahead.
1: Foster has not worked <clears throat> since James Harden publicly criticized- worked the Rockets game. Since James Harden publicly criticized him after the superstar fouled out February 21st, Harden was fined 25 grand the next day and declared that Foster should not be assigned any more Rockets games because of his personal issues with the team. Wah wah wah! Like my lord, can you cry anymore? I I, I got nothing else. I mean, it. there's a point where it's, I mean, look at, it was interesting for those that did not see Damian Lillard's shot over Paul George to end the, the series against Oklahoma City. And they asked Lillard why he shot it from what seemed to be almost half court instead of driving the basket. And his response, I'm paraphrasing here, but was, I'm not going to leave it up to the referee to decide this. I'm going to finish the game. And he did. I, I I I don't understand the babying, and this goes on all the time in, I would say, the majority of sports. Last night, Eric Hosmer almost got thrown out for calling balls and strikes. We see this in soccer all the time. We see it in, in basketball and complaints over pass interference and so on and so forth, but it seems like you see it a lot more in in the NBA than you do in any other sport.
0: It does seem to be happening more and more as well. It's these guys who have been babies forever. And, I mean, look, when I watch Houston play, they kick out their legs on every shot. Of course you can't land straight. When you're your the whole idea is a defensive player has to give him room to land. When your legs kick out, where are the defensive players supposed to go? Anyone who watches Harden sees this happen. And it's not taking anything away from Harden. He's sensational. But he had 200 more free throws than anyone else in the NBA. Please don't tell me how he's being...
1: That's part of what makes him sensational too, right? I mean, the fact that he can get to the line. The fact that he hits his free throws. Look, if Shaquille O'Neal I was talking with a friend last night, if Shaquille O'Neal or Will Chamberlain hit as many free throws as James Harden did at the percentage that he did, they'd average forty well, Wilt would average sixty five points a game. <laughs> now that's not a joke either. That's not all, that that's not off the reservation. I mean he, he had a 50-point year, so why would he not add it? He, I, I would guess he probably hit 50 to 60% of his free throws that year. Harden hits like 85%. Tackle another 5 to 10 points. He's averaging 60 a game. Shaq would have averaged 35 to 40 every game. So you give Harden credit that he does this, no question. But... Man, can you whine any more, Mr. Harden, or Chris Paul, or any of those guys? So, all right. So, getting back to what we were saying, so how many games do you think this one goes? I'll say six. Six games. So they end it in in Houston. In Houston. Okay. Yeah, in Houston. Okay so the other the other series that was not that started on Sunday but was not even close was Milwaukee and and the uh Milwaukee and the Celtics Celtics take them 112 to 90 in Milwaukee I think that's just an anomaly I think Milwaukee comes back and wins this in seven games
0: I to be fair, I would have taken Milwaukee before this, so I can't really go against it. I would take Milwaukee in seven. Also, I they have to win tonight, obviously, but I'm a little worried. That was an that was a, that was a butt kicking. There's no there's no two words about it. Um, but Milwaukee's been the best team in the NBA all season. I will very cautiously stick with them. So uh, it's to, to be the Boston <laughs> team, and lead to one heck of a uh, off season up in uh, up in Boston lands.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's keep moving on. So the other semifinals in the West is. The Nuggets are lead the Trailblazers. They beat them one twenty one to one thirteen in Denver. A. Were you surprised that Portland handled Oklahoma City as easily as they did? And B. Do you think Portland has any shot against the Nuggets? And I say any shot being a obviously they have some, but you give them a legitimate shot.
0: I do. They have the best player in the series in Lillard. Um. They're playing. Un, they played unbelievably well against against Oklahoma City. Um, the problem they have, if I'll tell you something, if Nurish was healthy, yep. I would give them a shot to win it all. Yep, I really would. With Nurish hurt, Nurish out for the year, Cantor hurt, I I think Denver is a tough matchup for them. Because of how good Jokic, Jokic is and how big Denver is, because they can play Jokic and, for, uh, free, and Plumlee and Plumley and Millsap. These are big guys, and they do have the depth on the on the on the on the, on the backcourt with you know Monty Morris and Gary you know Gary Harris and well Gary Harris is a starter, but. They have the depth in the backcourt to play with Lillard and McCollum. You know, this is I don't make too many good picks. But I did have Denver going to the conference final this year in our preseason you picks, did. if you remember. And you considering they haven't even been in the playoffs the prior two years, I'm allowed to pat myself on the back a little bit on that one. Um that being said, I think I think they're too big for Portland. I think Golden State would have been a better and more fun matchup to watch. Not a better matchup. Golden State's just more talented, but a more. I don't think Denver is a good matchup for Portland, considering what's happened to their front court. So I like I like I Denver, Denver.
1: I agree with you. I actually like Denver in five. I I don't think Portland has a shot in this due to the size matchup. And you're absolutely right. If you look at Portland's. Lineup at this point, their roster, and who actually is healthy and up the in the front court. Uh, uh, you're looking at uh, Aruk Aminu, who's six nine, Zach Collins, who's 21 years old and is set a seven footer, Harkless, who's six nine, Rodney Hood, who nobody has ever thought of as a big guy, is six eight. Scal Labis. Oh my God, I can never Kyle pronounce Labise, these guys. Yeah. Le- there you go, six eleven. Jake Ly- Lanham, Layman, your guy, six nine six nine. But none of these guys are are big guys. They're all two twenty. Zach Collins is the heavy. Uh, Zach Collins is the heaviest at two thirty five. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. You have Myers Leonard at two fifty five. But Nurkic is two seventy five. I mean legitimately big guys Denver's got loads and loads of those guys I mean Herman Gomez who doesn't even start is 230 and Jokic is 250 Trey Lyles is 235 and Millsaps 246 they just have big guys I think you're right um, I got Denver in five okay moving on to the to the other uh, two series uh, the other the last series excuse me Toronto and the 76ers tied up at one apiece. Last night, the 76ers winning 94-89. to 89. Look, you can say what you want, as much as you want, about Jimmy Butler. The 76ers would not even be in this series without Jimmy Butler. And I mean, they wouldn't have beaten the Nets. And they certainly wouldn't, they certainly wouldn't be tied up. Without Jimmy Butler, who last night had a great, who last night had a, had a great game with 30 points on nine for 22 shooting and 10 rebounds, Butler's making himself a lot of money this this postseason because he's just quietly going about his game. With that in mind, I'm I'm I still like the Raptors, but I like them I like them in six games.
0: Yeah, I'm sticking with Toronto in six. Toronto's a better team. And you could see that last night. Um, I just don't like how – I don't like how someone plays together. I don't I, – I, for as much talent as there, it's awkward with all these guys. So, I agree with you.
1: Yep. Okay, and then uh, we'll pick the winners of those games, um, those series next week because we still have uh, some time on that. Let's move on to the NHL. we got about 14 minutes left. Uh, the Bruins facing off against the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets winning the last game 3-2 to two, in double overtime, 1-1. One, one. Look, I, I have always said I like the Blue Jackets. I think they actually have more talent than most teams in the playoffs, even though they were the last team in. But I can't see them winning a Game 7 in Boston. Um, the Blue Jackets did steal a game, so they have they have legitimately stolen the home ice advantage, but that's less and less important in in hockey than in any other sport. I'm gonna take the Bruins in seven.
0: I'll take the Bruins in six. Um too talented, too smart, too veteran
1: of the team. So And we move on to we move on to the Islanders versus Carolina and Man, what a disappointment. Uh, first game, one nothing. Second game, 2-1. Everything about these two games, the Islanders have won except for the scoreboard. They have won the time of possession. They have won the Corsi rating. They have won it all. The only thing that they have not been able to do is put the puck in the net. I think they do win the series. I do think they come back and win and win two in Carolina. I'm not sure which two. I'm hoping one is at least for my birthday. That would be nice. Um, They do play on Friday at 7 o'clock. I would love for them to take both of these. I think they win in seven games and face off against the Bruins, which would be an incredibly good series for two teams that are slow as molasses. It would be awesome to watch how slow that, that series would be. Okay, Seth? I know you definitely do not agree with me on this one. Oh, sorry,
0: I just got home and have two, have a three-year-old hugging me and wanting to play basketball. So I got a little distracted.
1: Um, What did you Your Islanders were coming back? Yeah, I said, uh, look, I might be thinking a little bit more with my heart than my head, but I said the Islanders won in seven. Yeah,
0: I'll I don't see them coming back from two games at home. Doable, yes. You know they didn't. It's not like they got really outplayed any in these games. But to come back from a two-game from a two-game home deficit is tough. I'll go with. I'm sorry. I'll go with the Hurricanes. No, I'm doing a lot of like
1: things. I said. Like I said, I I I think I think I'm thinking with my heart rather than my head. Okay, the Blues against the. The Blues and the Stars, uh, a 2-1 deficit for the, the Stars. And the Blues took it to them in game three against Dallas. But, but the first uh, two of the three games, one goal, one goal games. The good part about the hockey so far in, in this playoffs more than any other is there have been so many one-goal games. I mean, they have been so close. There have been more overtime games in the NHL playoffs so far than have ever been in any year. And that just goes to show you how, how much the parity is. Um, look, every single year I pick the blues to go to the finals. I, I believe I did it again this year and I'll pick them to win in Dallas in six games. It's
0: It's a strange, it's a strange series. It's really kind of gone completely unnoticed everywhere. St. Louis, I think, has more talent. I think they're a better team. They win in five.
1: And then we have San Jose against Colorado. Uh, San Jose being Seth's proverbial, I don't know, holy grail, that at some point they'll win a cup because he continually has them in the cup every single year. And... They are tied with the Avalanche. The Aval- Look, Nathan McKinnon was amazing in round one. He has, again, um, proven his worth in round two. The Avalanche taking the last game, game two, four to three, in San Jose, up uh, tied 1-1. I'm going to take the Avalanche in six games. I don't know why I'm taking the Avalanche in six games, but I will take the Avalanche because, in six games.
0: Because they're interesting and they're, they're new. And they're hot, up, coming off the upset of Calgary. Although, if you look at if you look at it from a talent perspective, it wasn't exactly an upset. I'll go with the old the grizzled veterans one more time. San Jose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you're going to go with the grizzled veterans forever. <laughs> you, they're they're your hey, in Nationals it, it for the me. It wasn't the
0: Capitals last year,
1: so it did, it did, it did. It's it. Look, the, the playoffs are a great time. Um, we got the NBA, we got the NHL, we got ba- baseballs going on. And Seth, are there any players left in the Bronx to play? Or are they all on the injured list?
0: I think my dad, who is who's who is a little bit, is retired. But his dream was
1: always to play for the play center fielder for the Yankees. That becomes a volition. <laughs> for those that have not been paying attention to the baseball and and. You know what? Most people do not because it's still uh, it's still springtime. There's plenty of stuff going on. I believe that the Yankees were up to 14 injured players at one point on their injured list. 14. I think they had the majority of their, their payroll on the injured list. And it, Luke Voigt was leading the team in home runs, RBIs, and batting average. Uh, Luke Voigt wasn't even supposed to start this year. And look what he's doing. So it's been it's been a very interesting year for the Yankees, but they've been pulling it together, and I think they're three games over 500. So they've actually been playing pretty well. The Mets, on the other hand, led by the guy that I continually think is going to be in a Yankee uniform, Robinson Cano, and totally confused that he's not, uh, are 500. So, but the Braves are doing well. So I guess my new uh, last night I was I was at the Braves game, like I said before. Everybody's doing the Tomahawk Chop which I think is ridiculously racially insensitive uh, given the fact that Chief Wahoo is no longer being allowed to be used in Cleveland. All this stuff needs if 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 it's going to go, it all needs to go. Like at this point. So Tomahawk Chop being going and everybody's looking at me going, "I don't understand why you're not rooting for the Braves." Where's your Braves jersey? And I said to him, "I do have a Braves jersey on order and my friend, who, who knows me pretty well and knows that I am a New Yorker through and through, said, you have a Braves jersey? I go, yep, Babe Ruth's Boston Braves jersey. It's on his way. I will wear it proudly, the same way I wore the Ted Williams jersey in Boston. There is no way anybody will ever argue with me over a Babe Ruth jersey. I will be good to go. So, okay, Seth, so your birthday is tomorrow. Uh, we had a great dinner. What's your wish for the sporting world besides a Maryland national championship for your 43rd year? You're blowing out the candles. What are you seeing? Did I lose Seth? You did.
0: Sorry about that. Less
1: complaining All right.
0: So let's, let's, compl- I heard, I, I heard what you said. Less complaining about the referees in every sport or the umps in every sport. hmm <laughs> The, the, I cannot imagine there's any radical hijack. There's any radical agenda to do something different, to 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 screw other, to screw Houston, to screw Golden State, to screw the Yankees, whatever. They look. They make mistakes. The Sa- the Saints, Rams, it's an obvious mistake. You know, they're, but they're human. They do their best. Stop complaining about it. It's it's taking away from what's such a, an extraordinarily good playoff series. In all in these sports.
1: Just, it's tiresome to hear. Well, let, me, let me ask you something. Somebody brought this to my attention last night at the baseball game. Should there be a uniform strike zone which would be judged by a computer? It's objective, not subjective. There is a, a strike zone. It goes letters to the knees. It's established. It's, you got the plate. It can be called perfectly every single time. Are you in favor of something like that? Because that would take away the bitchiness, right?
0: Yeah, but I'm not. Uh, I, I think there is a human element to the game, and I realize it's kind of contradictory because there's always going to be push <laughs> when there's a human element. But yeah, you know, I think certain things you just can't. You know, you do your best, do the best you can. You see, I just don't like the idea of that aspect. And you can't do that in any, in every other sport. You can't do that in football or in basketball. It doesn't make
1: sense. Only thing you could do it for is the
0: strike zone. And
1: well, let me, let me ask you this because it's, it's an interesting parable that my friend did and he's a tennis guy, just like you. So they have the, you, you can go to the beep on the line, right? There is a beep on the line or there, the, the foul line, right? The long line, where they know whether the ball has hit the line or not, right? Computer generated all the time. How is that any different than a strike zone?
0: Sorry, say that one more time.
1: So in tennis, they have the line, right? And you can beep the line, right? So the line gets beeped when when the ball hits it, right? You can Mm -hmm. challenge that. You can see that. How is that any different than a strike zone? I didn't have a good answer. I just said it's different. I didn't. No, re- no. Because
0: because you can because you can challenge it. It is different from an automatic strike zone. An automatic strike zone you're okay. not going to be able to because it's automatic. It's, the, that, uh, that's the that's That's yeah. That's only used, I think, in the, it's only used in certain tournaments, not all of them and there are moving parts. They're, you know, they're they're it's just not exactly the same. It's not apples to apples.
1: And the one thing I did not utilize as an argument, which I wish I had now thinking about it, is the best part about baseball is the game is the same from the start when you play at 6 years old to the to the major leagues. It's relatively the same. So, if you start with the subjective strike zone my take is you should finish with a subjective strike zone. You shouldn't all of a sudden have a different strike zone because you're moving up in a level. Because that's not the way the game is played. You're not played with 12 players at 8 years old and 9 players at 18. It's the same game. So, okay, and for my birthday wish, well, you know what, I wish the Islanders come back and give me one more series. But more importantly, I wish they would scrap Barclays. And just go back to the Nassau Coliseum. Because there is nothing better than a game at the Nassau Coliseum. And if you watch on TV the Islander game, the the last two games at Barclays, you could hear a damn pin drop in that stadium. While if you watched the games before in the previous round at the Coliseum, you couldn't hear anything because it was so loud. So, I mean, this is just me. But if I got something for my birthday, it it would be another year at the Coliseum and only the Coliseum and no more. So, Seth Kamins, happy birthday to you. Happy 43rd. Um, and uh, we will see you all next week on Seth and Sean Sports Radio, Blog Talk Radio, BackSportsPage.com. And, Jake, we'll talk to you later. Adios, amigo.
0: Say bye, Jake. Bye.
1: Hi.